All right, what's up, people? All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Holla, 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 holla. What's up, everybody? Good morning. It is Monday, April 10th, coming off a Easter weekend. Hope you're all very well. <clears throat> Welcome to episode number 341 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Legosec, Nathan Bolin, James Edicudo, Jason Hoskins, Andy Nakamura, and all of the Simply Cyber community members, including you, are going to be tearing through the top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my thoughts, opinions, analysis on each of those stories and what it means to you as a practitioner. You got to remain vigilant, guys. <laughs> That's the deal. So we got to get up every day and do the work. Got to stay vigilant. Start actors aren't going, taking days off either. So we'll go through it. We'll see what these stories mean for us as practitioners uh, in the micro, in the macro, tactical, strategic, operational. We'll cover it all. We'll share, we'll share uh, thoughts and opinions with each other. And if you're new here or you're new to the industry, don't think that there isn't value here for you. Absolutely will be asked, how do you stay current in the industry in any job interview? And this is a fantastic answer, not just because it checks the box, but because we're actually doing what it is that you'd want people to do to stay current. So stay with us. It's going to be a great show. I promise you that. But before we get into the show, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions, my good friend Eric Taylor over there at Barricade Cyber Solutions. They are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Listen, guys, cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe me, they have years and years of experience, thousands of engagements dealing with threat actors, tons of negotiations. They got your back. Give them a call. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. See, I got them uh, the site up on stream right now. Little uh, insider tip, right? Pro tip. If you scroll down, Eric Taylor's updated his profile photo here so you can look him right in the eye. Get on a schedule, April 10th, 10 a.m. You could meet with Eric Taylor at 10 a.m. today and talk about how, you know, what would it look like if Barricade Cyber was going to help you out? That's right, damn right, Funky Monk, you know what's up. Barricade Cyber, long time, um, Simply Cyber, Daily Cyber Threat Briefing sponsor. Thank you, Eric, and the whole gang over there, Casually Joseph, etc. Also want to say shout out <clears throat> to Panopsi. Panopsi is another InfoSec company uh, run by a, a good friend of mine, Brandon Poole. Guy knows what he's doing. Tons and tons of clients helped. But why would I call Panopsi? Tell me, Jerry, why does Panopsi matter? Listen, guys. Brandon can execute a quantified risk assessment, which is no short feat. Those are very challenging and complicated to pull off. But when you pull them off correctly, like Brandon can do for you, you will actually get an output of a report that will provide statistically sound evidence-based assessment of your current cybersecurity program and what your risk exposure is. Businesses love knowing what their risk exposure is. If you ask somebody like, what's your risk appetite? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get hacked. It's like, yeah, no kidding. You don't want to get hacked. But like, how much are you willing to spend on that not wanting to get hacked? Like, what's your threshold for pain? A quantified risk assessment will enable you to have that conversation and really invest appropriately for an amount of money that works uh, for risk reduction, but also uh, not so much that you're basically wasting your money. Because fun fact, guys, you may not know this, but there is a mathematical function for investment dollars to cyber risk reduction, and it's not linear. Meaning, if you spend $50 on security and you get like, say, 20% more secure, Another $50 doesn't get you another 20% of security. Another $50 might get you 8% of security. You see what I'm saying? It's logarithmic. All right. Thanks to the show sponsors. Also, holla, holla, holla at XM Cyber, but more about them at the mid-roll. I don't want to overwhelm you guys. Plus, I haven't even had my coffee yet today. If you're with me live, 105 of you. I did not schedule. I forgot to schedule <laughs> the stream. Uh, I came in this morning and was like, wait a minute. Where's this thing? So if you're here... I genuinely appreciate it. What's up, Ms. Julian? Good to see you over on LinkedIn. Hey, Kimberly can fix it. 
guys, I, I appreciate you finding it. Um, like I said, I've been a little overwhelmed. Uh, right after the stream ends, I'll schedule the rest of the daily cyber threat briefings for the week. Uh, so you'll see that um, <laughs> you'll see that come into the feeds. If you're live, hashtag Team Live, love it, love it, love it. Also, I want to say what's up to Zach Hazlitt, hashtag Passive Observer, guys. If you're a, uh, you know, if you are in the show right now, if you're one of the 114 people watching this and you're just quietly observing, you're not part of the engagement, you're not in the chat because you're nervous, you're imposter syndrome, feel like you have nothing to add. Guess what? That's not true. You absolutely have something to add. You absolutely have a voice. Even if it's your very first day exploring cybersecurity, you have experiences, you have perspective, you have opinions. Say hello in chat, hashtag passive observer, and begin networking today. I'm telling you guys, it's absolutely free. It costs nothing to say hello. And the value you get from having a, a social network in the cybersecurity community is invaluable. It is unbelievably invaluable. If you ask anybody that broke into cybersecurity, like pivoted into the industry, what what's their number one tip? They're gonna say networking, and I wish I had started it sooner. That is a fact because I've interviewed multiple people and they literally have told me that consistently. All right, guys, let me take a slug of this coffee and quietly hit the thumbs up. Thank you, Alex. Oh, gosh, this coffee's good. So good. I hope you all had a nice Easter if you celebrate Easter. If you don't, I hope you had a nice dinner. Mm. Gosh, that is... Guys, sometimes the coffee just hits today is one of those days thank goodness it's one of those days i really need it mm. oh my god what a treat all right cyber check coffee check carl we'll get to it <laughs> and audio fingers crossed all right guys we got it all going let's rock and roll sit back relax let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave see you at the mid-roll y'all from the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Monday, April 10th, 2023. Apple releases updates to address zero-day flaws. Apple on Friday released security updates for iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and Safari web browser to address a pair of zero-day flaws that are being exploited in the wild. Not good. The two vulnerabilities are CVE 2023-28205, a use-after-free issue in WebKit that could lead to arbitrary code execution when processing specially crafted web content, and 2023-28206, an out-of-bounds write issue in I.O. Surface Accelerator that could enable an app to execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges. Apple yep. said it addressed the first of these with improved memory management and the second with better input validation, adding it is aware the bugs, quote, may have been actively exploited, end quote. All right. So the TLDR, <clears throat> if you can, grab your Apple devices, like I just grabbed my little tiny Mac tablet. It looks like we have to apply uh, iPad OS 16.4.1. That's what it's reporting right here. I like... I. Apple makes it easy to keep a clean a clean uh, system, right? So, <laughs> you know, uh, the TLDR have your have your people update their stuff. Sometimes, even if it's set to auto update, it won't do it right away. The reason I um, it's worth mentioning. Hey, Jeremy Williams, where you been, man? What did we just become best friends? Yep. Good to see you, Jeremy Williams. Hope the boo boo bus is good. Thank you so much for the super chat. Hope the family's doing well. Guys, Apple makes it super easy to update all your uh, your devices, but just remember, it's like it's your it's your it's your MacBooks, it's your iPads, it's your iPhones, it's it's all of the you know Apple devices, and you got to remember, um, a lot of businesses. This is sad but true. A lot of businesses are like, we're a Windows shop, we do Windows only, except the executives. They you know they're particular. They like their Apple products. So you you likely have Apple products in your business's ecosystem, even if you're a hardcore Windows shop, because no one's going to tell the CEO, "Sorry, ma'am, you can't have it with a computer you want." So you have like these unmanaged devices being uh, run or used by the most you know sensitive personnel outside of IT in your business, right? They have access to like 
you know, if their emails got compromised, <laughs> that's where business email compromise is going to happen, right? Like fraud's going to happen. They are the ones who have, um, you know, sensitive information flowing through their devices and stuff like that. And then they're the ones using unmanaged infrastructure, AKA, you know, Apple stuff. So just make sure that you, you tell them as well in the most polite way possible to update their stuff. This is important because they said that it's actively being exploited. Guys, and this is for the people new here, right? Like vulnerabilities are all over the place. You're going to have vulnerabilities no matter what, whether it's misconfigurations, whether it's, you know, mismanaged identity credentials, or it's security vulnerabilities like these two right here, these zero days, you're going to have it. You cannot have a completely secure environment. You will always have residual risk. So you got to be aware of that. You got to manage your vulnerabilities, right? That's why there's vulnerability management. But know this, actively exploited should raise your priority level because just because there's a vulnerability doesn't mean anything's happening with it, right? Just because you leave your front door unlocked doesn't mean a bad person is going to enter your house and rob you. Now, if there's reports that people's houses are being broken in in your neighborhood, yeah, you might want to hurry back home and lock your front door. You feel me? That's that's what the that's what the the gist of active exploitation is happening should mean to you. It should mean like, oh, this is an elevated priority. And the fact that you can run remote code uh, excuse me, arbitrary code. All, whenever you hear the term arbitrary code execution, that simply means that a threat actor can do whatever they want, which typically would mean pop a shell, establish persistence, start uploading their malicious payloads and take, take off, you know, running your stuff. Arbitrary code execution basically means that they, they can own your box, period, end of story. All right. No, no, <laughs> no threat actors just popping calc and then giving themselves a high five, right? Right. Flipper Zero banned by Amazon for being a card skimming device. No! Following up on a story we brought you in January, Amazon has now banned the sale of the Flipper Zero portable multi-tool for pen testers as it no longer allows its sale on the platform after tagging it as a card skimming device. The Flipper Zero is a compact, portable, and programmable pen testing tool that can help experiment with and debug various digital and hardware devices via multiple protocols, including RFID, radio, NFC, infrared, Bluetooth, and others. Flipper Devices CEO Pavel Jovner told Bleeping Computer that the company has asked Amazon to reconsider the ban as the device is not capable of skimming bank cards. All right, a couple things really quick. want to say holla, holla, holla to Steve Mooney coming in on LinkedIn. I see him over there. Uh, I, that, dude's, that dude's a busy dude. <laughs> I got two kids and it's busy. Uh, Steve's a busy dude, so thank you, Steve, for being here for Team Live. Good to see you. Guys, um, Flipper Zero, I got one. A lot of fun. It's, it's more, for me, I'm not a professional pen tester, so for me, it's more like a, a novelty to have it. I will say... Um, I see a lot of people in chat saying this is ridiculous. Um, like Josh Mason saying they sell knives. So what? Like you can't, like if someone gets stabbed, all of a sudden they're going to ban knives. Um, I don't know what Java blanks are, but I'm assuming they're like, you know, uh, card um, producing tools or whatever. Guys, the Flipper Zero, I, I literally for a fact, and, and who, like, please say it in chat. Please say it in chat if I'm wrong. I have used the Flipper Zero. I have I have um, ingested my credit card onto the Flipper Zero. I have tried to pay for tacos, literally. I know I mention tacos all the time. It's because I love tacos. I have tried to pay for tacos with my Flipper Zero emulating my credit card, and it did not work. There's more like there's there's more to it um, than just re um, broadcasting some type of information, right? There's there's security controls on the card that will prevent it from being skimmed like that um, from a credit card perspective. Now, I was able to skim a access badge and use that. I, you know, I, I, I've been able to open garage doors, et cetera, but um, whatever. You know, the thing is, guys, at the end of the day, Amazon has infinite money. So for Flipper to get taken off Amazon, that doesn't impact Amazon at all. They may even like it may even have been like um like a, a wink wink nod nod good old boy system where I don't know, some somebody, like some politician or some business or whatever was like, Hey, I don't like that flipper zero, Jeff Bezos. Can you help me out, brah? And they're like, 
Jeff Bezos is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So who knows? You can still purchase these things um, online. Go to Flipper Zero. I mean, I'm pretty sure you just go to Flipper Zero dot one. Yeah, buy now. They're sold out, so there's probably a secondary market for it. I don't know. The final thing I'll say about this, like it is a, a hotly discussed item, hotly discussed topic. Again, I'm just a hobbyist. Like I played with it for like a week, put some different firmwares on it, and then I haven't used it since. And I've talked to some professional pen testers, and they told me that like it's fun, but it's not the right tool for the job. Like, like I've I, I've literally had a professional pen tester tell me they would never take a flipper zero onto an engagement because there's other tools that are better, more reliable for what they need to do that they wouldn't do this. You know what I mean? So the only thing for me, the flipper zero is fun to take out, um, catch a, a TV signal at like Buffalo Wild Wings and then change the channel just to be like a jerk, you know, like that's <laughs> or, or party favors. China to probe Micron over cybersecurity in chip wars latest battle. The Chinese government is instituting a cybersecurity review of US-based memory chip maker Micron's products being sold in the country in the latest move in the ongoing semiconductor trade dispute that pits China against the US and its allies. This dispute is causing chip supply chain disruptions that threaten many of the fastest growing parts of the technology sector, mainly AI and cloud technology, as well as impacting other sectors such as auto manufacturing. A brief Chinese government statement issued on March 31st said that the review is being undertaken, quote, in order to ensure the security of the key information infrastructure supply chain, prevent network security risks caused by hidden product problems, and maintain national security, end quote. All right, really quick. Hey, happy birthday, Sharice Lamb. Happy birthday, Sean Washington. What would be a good birthday? Um, happy birthday. This this picture is ridiculously funny. Talk about custom. Okay, guys. So, you know, be mindful. This this to me is not a cybersecurity news story. It is a national, you know, geopolitical espionage. You know, next chapter in the Jack Ryan series on Amazon Video. Prime video or whatever it is. Um, guys, if you haven't been paying attention, there's a massive there's a massive ongoing like struggle for semiconductor technology. The United States and the five eyes are decoupling the global economy from China. Okay. China and I'm just rehashing what we already know, right? China does has like manufacturing plants and they can manufacture all sorts of tech really, really affordably, but they don't have the semiconductor tech. Although without getting too into it, they now own a company that makes semiconductors, um, which they got in like a really, really interesting, tricky way. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me that the United States, you know, through some type of like state department thing, um, has a semiconductor company in China called Micron. Uh, if I had to guess, Micron's probably a legit business that the United States has gotten in bed with. Uh, the United States government has gotten in bed with uh, for situational awareness and understanding how China is engaging them and stuff like that. Um, this is just CIA level, you know, secret squirrel type stuff. So they're ramping things up around Taiwan. Yeah. So when you say that, so BSEC says they're ramping things up around Taiwan. Uh, China doesn't even recognize Taiwan as a country. They think they're like a, you know, like a suburb of China. And Taiwan recognizes its own independence. So the United States is kind of hooking it up. It's, it's kind of the way Russia sees Ukraine, basically, if you want a, a, a comparable. So I don't know when you say ramping up, if they're ramping up microchip uh, semiconductor manufacturing tech in Taiwan or China's ramping up um, the beat down on Taiwan. But either way, this is just something interesting to keep an eye on. It, it, this is not a cybersecurity story. Um, the, the only way that this is even remotely um interesting from a practice perspective right as a human as a citizen of the world this is interesting but as a cybersecurity professional the only reason that this is interesting to me is the following if you do not know this um listen up and if you just lived through covid uh pandemic then you do know this with a shortage of semiconductors there's a, like all computers have semiconductors okay like that's a fact 
So if there's a shortage on semiconductors, then there's a shortage on technology. If there's a shortage on technology, it's very difficult to do life cycle refreshes. Um, you know, during the pandemic, there were like, you know, laptop refreshes, like, oh, just order order another 500 Dell laptops. Um, well, the VAR, the, 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 the CDWs of the world, or, you know, the places you order 500 Dells from, um, they're like, it's six to 10 months uh, wait time. Have you tried to buy a new car recently? Six to 12 months wait time. Like things that require technology are taking longer to make because there's less of the technology, so they can't produce it as quickly. So from a cybersecurity perspective, you you should be mindful of business continuity, um, system develop, uh, system life cycles. So, you know, if you're going to run some old tech because you can't replace it, be mindful of that. Although you, you should have enough uh, ramp to, to fix that. Um, if someone drops their laptop in a puddle, you may not be able to replace it. Uh, business continuity, guys, you might have to have a couple devices on hand to be able to quickly deploy uh, you might even have to have a, a company credit card to go to Best Buy to buy two laptops, right? And now you're going to have like configuration differences and the management of a separate um, build or separate laptop, et cetera. I made fun of the CEO earlier who had the custom Apple devices. That's true. But now you're going to run like, oh, we have Dell Latitudes in the environment, except for these 18 people who have Dell and Spirons because, you know, pandemic, right? So just be mindful of all that. It, it seems simple and easy to just go buy another couple laptops and deploy them into your environment. But from a management perspective, you're adding burden, you're adding overhead, and you're adding cyber risk. Brah. UK outsourcing services provider Capita suffers a cyber incident. Capita is one of the UK government's biggest suppliers of public sector contracts, according to The Guardian newspaper. This includes numerous contracts with the Ministry of Defense. In an update shared on April 3rd about the incident, the company announced that it has experienced a cyber incident primarily impacting access to internal Microsoft Office 365 applications. The attack disrupted some services provided to individual clients, but the company pointed out that the majority of its client services was not impacted. All right, what is an outsourcing services provider? Like, what, does that, <laughs> what does that mean? What do you do? Um, are they outsourcing IT? What are they outsourcing? Um, all right. So some company that does something in the UK <laughs> was hit by a ransomware attack and, you know, whatever this to me, like, if you don't know. If you don't know, okay, thanks, Josh Mason. If you don't know, then you might be like, whoa, this is crazy. They do business with the Ministry of Defense. Ugh, like espionage, intrigue. But in reality, guys, like many businesses do work with federal governments. Like there's, there's probably thousands of companies that do business with the Department of Defense. And of those thousands of businesses, I guarantee you money that matters to me, at least one of them's had a ransomware attack, right? So, you know, this is okay. Like a big company got hit with ransomware. It doesn't say which ransomware threat actor. It doesn't say what happened. It says their Office 365 instance got hosed, which um, typically ransomware doesn't hit Office 365, right? Like Office 365 is an outsourced platform as a service so you know if they got hit with ransomware it says they they restored access to office 365 i have to imagine that threat actors got their credentials went in maybe changed their um their passwords to their admins or something like that or revoked all um accounts and just basically like blocked them out when you're a six and a half billion dollar company you typically have a rep like you know you have somebody at microsoft that you can call when you're that big right if you're just like a regular you know jerry osher right you don't you don't have a a, a rep uh, a tam i think they're called tams t-a-m tams i forget what that stands for someone in chat knows what a tam is i forget but that that's definitely the term you have a tam and it's your it's your 
it's your person that you call because they, you spend a lot of money, <laughs> basically. So anyways, if you work in the UK, maybe this involves you. This, this again, is another one of those like, okay, stories. There's not a lot of detail here. How, how did the exploit happen? How did they isolate it? What were they after? Who was the threat actor gang? There's like nothing in there. Thank you, Axiom Brevity, technical account manager. Yeah, that's, that's like your, that's your person. And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Can you name all the third-party apps connected to your major SaaS platforms like Salesforce, Microsoft 365, or Google Workspace? What about the data these apps can access? After all, one compromised third-party app could put your entire SaaS ecosystem at risk. With App Omni, you get visibility to all third-party apps and SaaS-to-SaaS -SaaS connections, including which end-users have enabled them and the level of data access they've been granted. Visit appomni.com today to request a free risk assessment. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I.com. All right. It's the mid-roll, so if you're new here, we do this every day. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the party. Thank you all for being here. I hope you're getting value out of the stream this morning. Entertainment value, educational value, a little bit of both would be fantastic, what I'm going for. If you are getting value, if you do enjoy the experience, do me a favor, hit the like button. It helps you. No, no, no. If you hit the like button, you basically tell YouTube, hey, this is good content. And then YouTube's like, okay, you like cybersecurity stuff. Let me go tell other people that like cybersecurity stuff that this show is something that cybersecurity people enjoy. And that is how we grow the Simply Cyber community. Over 200 people here right now. And I believe it's it's like the opposite of Fight Club. The first rule of Simply Cyber is we talk about Simply Cyber. <laughs> so if you're getting value out of it, hit the like button. I want to say thanks again to the show's sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, for the continued support. And also... I want to tell you guys about XM Cyber. So you have misconfigurations, vulnerabilities, mismanaged creds, other exposures across your network, both in the cloud and on-prem. And But you can't really see how they all come together because they're all siloed. Different people are running different parts. It's not just about running a vulnerability scanner and seeing what comes back, right? XM Cyber has introduced a new way to address this type of exposure, which is really, really cool. Instead of looking at these things in silos, like I mentioned, they provide like a middle tier that combines all of this information into an attack graph. It's very, it's very dark mode, okay? It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and it'll allow you to uncover a hidden attack path, see security control gaps across your cloud and on-prem networks. You can actually pinpoint and see where a threat actor would move through the cyber kill chain to get to your crown jewels, which is important because you can prioritize where the weaknesses are and actually do meaningful cyber risk reduction for your organization and that always feels good guys vulnerability management analysts are like some of the it's like that's like a thankless job like you grind and grind and grind and it's very difficult like it you just the volumes keep pouring up so with a tool like xm cyber you're actually allowed to do meaningful vulnerability remediation and i love it Go check them out at xmcyber.com. There's a link in the description below if you want to see this dark mode attack path looking thing, if you want to demo their exposure management platform. I will tell you this, guys. Sponsorship aside, exposure management is the way that our industry is going. And that's not, that's not hyperbole. That's not bull. That is a fact. Exposure management is where the industry is going. So understanding it is very valuable. Okay, thanks again to XM Cyber for the support. Guys, hopefully you got the newsletter this morning. I wrote it yesterday or Saturday. I wrote it Saturday. I sent you three pieces of actionable intel. Let me know in chat if you got it. Let me know in chat if you got value from it. Um, I, will, I will tell you this. Um, Robert Burke asked about OTICS last week, and I told you about Bryson Bort. Um, Bryson... Uh, messaged me and he, he wanted me to remind you guys this is in the newsletter by the way hack the capital hack the capital is a free virtual cybersecurity conference around OTICS and um, there's a link to it and oh it just this this is just coming in now the keynote is by CISA director Jen Easterly hold on 
Hold on. Where's Jen? Jen, 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 Jen. All right, there's Jen Easterly emoting. So go check out Hack the Capital. Guys, I want to remind you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. We are Crystal Dathan, keep it Crystal, is the current baton holder. So Crystal, if Crystal's in the chat, Crystal, please tag somebody with the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. If you get tagged, go ahead on LinkedIn, share your story, share your cyber why, use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Everybody in chat, connect with that person who does the Simply Cyber Community Challenge and build your professional network today. I'm telling you guys, it is incredibly valuable to build your network. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge in the comments. If Crystal's here, please tag somebody. Oh, I'll need to pass the baton, Jenny Housley. Well, thank you very much, Jenny. You know what? Uh, Jeff, Jeff Watala? Or, or, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Watala. I see your name in chat. Jeff, would you be interested in picking up the baton for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, please? Subro, this is going to be virtual. This is a virtual uh, conference. It's going to be good. I think there is a live component to it if you want it to be. But please uh, check it out. I'll drop a link in, I already dropped a link in chat. Jeff Watala, let us know if you want to pick up the baton. Thanks, Jenny. Or drones running open source flight software take off in Ukraine and beyond. The Australian engineering company Corvo has created a Thanks, cardboard Jeff. drone that runs on open source software, standard hardware, and can be assembled and flown with no prior experience. The Corvo Precision Payload Delivery System costs less than $3,500 a piece. With a body of waxed cardboard, the drone takes around an hour to assemble, and its lithium-ion batteries give it a range of up to 62 miles with a 6.5-pound payload. The craft ships in a flat-pack box complete with tape, glue, and instructions, as well as a tablet computer used to enter a GPS-based flight plan that the craft then flies independently. Jeez, this is uh, cool. This is very cool. Um... Wow. Okay. So again, this isn't really a cybersecurity story. So I'll say that up front. Like this is this this story definitely falls into the um into the bucket of like really cool and like cyber people would probably find it really cool, but this has nothing to do with infosec. All right, guys. So check it out. Um drones, uh manless planes uh, are definitely the way of the future. We don't put our humans like we don't put our josh masons in danger uh when we fly drones or unmanned aircraft um but they're expensive they're really expensive so you're you're a little reluctant to just like you know kamikaze one into a uh you know an energy a grid center or whatever they call those places that that make energy <laughs> i'm so cultured i i don't even know what those things are called power plants Right. Well, for thirty-five hundred dollars, this company has developed a technique that ships with glue and tape and cardboard, and you like put together a model kit car. If you've ever done the uh, the Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts, a Pinewood Derby racer, I feel like it's essentially that. But dude, for thirty-five hundred bucks, yeah, sixty million dollars, you can get a Predator. For sixty million dollars, you can get like a thousand of these cardboard drone things. Um, this is really interesting. The, the the other thing I will say is I have seen, like, to me, this lowers the bar to entry. So you could just drop these. You could you could fly over um, enemy-controlled airspace and drop these drones for you. Using a drone, you could drop more drones for your allies. And then they could quickly spin them up and deploy them in some way. Um yeah, exactly. Well, it's waxed cardboard, BSEC. I don't, see, here's my thing, though. These cardboard things, these are short-term solutions. In my mind, this is like deployed tactically. You're in a military encounter, and you can quickly throw one and get some, some intel, some telemetry on where your enemies are or what's going on, or more likely, and this is where I think it's going, for thirty five hundred, like, dude, thirty five hundred dollars in the in the grand scheme of things is disposable money in a military encounter. So, I mean, I hate to be morbid or or macabre, but like, you could strap a munitions payload to this thing and deploy it, right? You could stick a grenade on it. You could stick a rocket, C four, whatever you want. You could stick 
munitions on it, throw it at your enemy, <laughs> right? It's like a paper airplane, except way more accurate. Throw it at your enemy and then detonate it. So that's where I would expect to see it happening. Um, the United States has been, you know, according to a tweet, says the United States uh, says there needs to be a mass uh, effort done on creating these things. So they're cheap. They're easy to make. You can deploy, you can dump them in anyone. You don't have to be an aeronautical engineer to assemble the thing, right? So the, the barrier to entry for anyone to use it is pretty low. I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. Yeah, Subro said it perfectly. It's cool and it's dangerous. I will tell you, $3,500 is outside of my, my like, um, like play money or whatever. Like, it would be really, really cool to buy one of these and, and mess around with it. But $3,500 is too expensive for jacking around, right? Like the, like the, the, the flipper zero, I think was like 150 bucks. That, that's a, that's, that's like, I can, I can jack around with that. Like if I, <laughs> if I came home with a $3,500 cardboard drone, um, Mrs. Osier would want to know <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Op releases student documents in Tasmania. Tasmanian government officials confirmed on Friday that more than 16,000 sensitive documents were leaked by the Klopp ransomware group following a data theft incident two weeks ago. The Minister for Science and Technology, Madeleine Ogilvie, told reporters that the information released includes financial invoices, statements and information relating to student assistance applications. She said, quote, this may include names and addresses and this is an evolving situation, end quote. She added the data had been accessed through a third-party file transfer service and that there is no evidence that the Tasmanian government IT systems have been breached. New All right, Tasmania getting on the uh, radar. Not for a good reason. Okay, so Klopp ransomware. You know, Klopp is. I I I'll give Klopp. It's it's just due. Okay, so Klopp is a tier one ransomware threat actor group, borderline tier two. Okay, so it's like high two, low one. Anisha Sanders with a super chat. Thanks so much, Anisha. What did we just become best friends? Yep. That's four ninety nine towards the Simply Cyber Drone Fund. <laughs> We're working. We'll run a telethon. We'll run a telethon. We're raising thirty-five hundred dollars for a a, um, a a waxy cardboard um, drone. I'm just kidding. Thanks, thanks, Anisha, for the uh, support for the channel. <clears throat> All right. So, Klopp ransomware has been in the news. They've hit multiple people. Um, personally, I don't know why, but I don't like the name Klopp. Like, it's <laughs> nothing to do with what they do. Um, Te I, if I had to guess, little let's get the tinfoil hat on here really quickly. Do, do, do. If I had to guess, higher ed in or education sector in Tasmania is just as poor as it is in the United States and Canada, UK, wherever. Uh, education sector typically does not have really great infosec controls because they don't have budget to implement those controls. They're lucky if they have IT staff. Uh, and then that IT staff is typically required to be matrixed and have infosec responsibility. So it's not surprising. 16,000 students, while that number does sound large, um, I, I don't feel that that's too large, actually. That's kind of a small number. Um, so whatever, students' data is hacked. You know, it's whatever. It's another day ending in Y. Paula Terranova with the super chat, I mean, with the uh, uh, squad. Gifts, everybody pick up your squad gifts. Jenny Buckley picking it up. Bobo, I'm picking it up. Bill Eck picking it up. Sydney picking it up. Kat Caitlin, Ryan, Laura, Laura Flores, Stexo Plays, Tyler, Sunshine, Miss Mary. Hey, Paula Terranova, thank you so much, Paula. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. So, anyways, Clop Ransom, Kimberly, the drone fund. <laughs> what? Best friends. Yep. Thank you so much. Kimberly can fix it for the squad support for the super chat. Very kind. Very kind of you guys. Th this is a story, but not really. It's just a whatever education sector. File this into your paperwork. Uh, if you work in higher ed or in the education as interesting and being able to pull it up as a case study, if you need like during budget season and stuff like that. Jersey County Police Department confirms ransomware attack. 
The police department in Camden County, New Jersey, confirmed that it was hit with a ransomware attack last month and is still investigating the incident. A spokesperson for the department, which serves the county's 523,000 residents, told Recorded Future News that the ransomware attack took place on March 13th. NBC News reported on Thursday that several law enforcement sources have told them that the attack has, quote, been locking many criminal investigative files and day-to-day -day internal administration abilities, end quote. There we go, Wiggum. I do, I do love the regulators. Uh, sorry, KRS-One. Um, whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police. That did not make it when my soundboard um, failed and I had to rebuild it from scratch. The, uh, the KRS-One didn't make it. Okay, guys, so yeah, again, like I hate to say this, but like here's a ransomware story. Here's a ransomware story. Guys, ransomware is rampant. And, and until like we're 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 seeing some decline in ransomware attack numbers um, at the macro level, but not really. I, honestly, I think that we're seeing a decline in ransomware attacks simply because a lot of the ransomware threat actors are currently busy fighting a war <laughs> in Ukraine. Um, so you got huge to uh, attack a police department. Um, so yeah, you would think this is state and local, uh, state and local. Um, they probably have a, um, state government IT department. So it's not like they might have one person there at the police station that does IT, but chances are that it's either outsourced to a private company or it's some type of matrixed, um, you know, state IT department. Um, again, likely do not have infosec people dedicated to there. I will say this, if there's anybody in chat who has worked in uh, a, a law enforcement um, IT, because I, I don't know anyone personally, uh, I would be curious, obviously, case files, evidence, um, chain of custody, um, audit logs and stuff like that. I'd be really curious if that data is backed up in a forensically sound way. I mean, Dude, we're talking about criminal case files. Like, you can't, you don't just say like, ah, oh, we lost those. Like, we'll we'll just spin up a new one. This is like people's lives we're talking about, right? Not just not just the criminal who's under investigation, but like the families who are impacted by the crime, right? And it doesn't have to be just like murder, right? Like Bernie Madoff robbed tons of people, right? People people's lives were ruined because of that. So for me, I'd want to make dang sure that they have sound business continuity and data protection controls in place. Like it, more, more than, and more than other organizations, right? Cause a lot of organizations are like, Oh, we got ransomware. We'll just rebuild. No big deal. Like, uh, this is much different, right? Uh, law enforcement to cyber career video. I actually do have one on the channel, uh, where I interviewed Eric Venema who became a digital forensics analyst. So go check that out if you're a Leo. Um, I actually want to do more law enforcement content, but I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm barely hanging on uh, executing on my current scope of work, adding, you know, I, 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 uh. Last week in ransomware. Last week, we brought you stories about a ransomware attack at Lewis and Clark College, Dish Network being slapped with multiple lawsuits claiming securities fraud following ransomware attacks, and Money Message, a new ransomware gang claiming to have breached computer hardware manufacturer MSI. In addition, Rorschach is now rated as the fastest ransomware encryptor. Remember, we will not be... All right, let's play some music. All right, guys, basically, they just did a little ransomware roundup. <laughs> if you need intel on ransomware, if you need evidence for... A budget meeting or you know an executive update or heck i'm giving a talk on april 20th so 10 days from now in san diego on the top on the top two cyber threats to the healthcare industry it's a very specific talk I'm, i've been asked to give ransomware is number one <laughs> so um you know all you have to do is google google ransomware and then whatever industry you're interested in and I guarantee you, there'll be some recent event, some recent story you could pull from. All right. That is it for the news. What are we on time? 8.48. Apologies to Base Case and NCC Group for going three minutes over. 
If you are here, uh, I want to remind you guys really quickly before you boogie out of here. Later today at 4 p.m. Hey. Later today at 4 p.m. I will be playing World of Haiku. So every other week, I I play World of Haiku uh, on Mondays at 4. And then next week, I'll play Haiku Pro, which is a different product, on live at 4 p.m. Today, World of Haiku, it's a single-player, learn Linux, learn offensive security tools, video game on Rails. This game is actually designed for people who have no prior experience with, like, IT or um, hacking or anything. There's a new function... Uh, a new capability within World of Haiku that I will be demoing. You cannot access this right now. It is still in beta, but it is a world builder. You can create your own world, your own challenges, your own everything. It's very cool. You can have the robots say whatever you want. I'm going to be demonstrating this capability today live on stream. We'll, we'll make our own little world. Uh, we'll have a good time with it, and uh, we'll make the robot say silly stuff. And uh, we'll demo it. So come come hang out today at 4 p.m. if you'd like to do that. As always, um, I'll be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time for the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Uh, because it's Tuesday and I teach Tuesdays and Thursdays. But here's a programming note for my, for my community. I only have one, two, three... Three more days left of teaching at 8 a.m. Oh, let's go, Nick. Thanks for the super chat. Shall we play a game? That's right. There we go. There we go. $5 more for the drone fund. That's right, Peter Lee. That's right. Guys, um, after, after April 18th, all Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefings will be at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the for the rest of the time I do them, okay? The 10 a.m. is going away. I've The community has asked and I have heard. I've, I've moved when I teach. So starting in the fall, I will be teaching at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I will do an 8 a.m. Keep it crystal with a gifted sub. Thank you very much. Keep it crystal. Yeah, Andy Nakamura, I, I feel you, man. I'm, I'm I hey, if, if it impacts your ability to be team live, I completely understand. It's a tough decision uh, that I had to make, but it's uh, unfortunately it's the decision I have to make. Um, I will be in San Diego on April twentieth, so I will be up at five a.m. doing the daily cyber threat briefing. You might be able to catch a sunrise with me. So stay tuned for that. All right, guys. If you were here just for the news, those are all the updates about the show. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day. More drone, more fun. Thanks for the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, DP. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, good. You'd rather have it at five. Well, then, Andy, you're in luck, my friend. All right, guys. So if you were here, uh, now we're going to do some jaw jacking for the next five, six minutes. So if you want to hang out and have a little, have a little chat. I will not be at RSA. Nope. So a company whose name I'll leave out of the show, a company reached out to me and asked me if I would give a talk um, at this event. It's a, it's a private event, basically. Um, and it's a, it's a paid gig. They're paying me handsomely to fly out to San Diego and speak to about 150 people. Um, so straight cash, homie. Great cash, homie. Doesn't impact my ability to talk, uh, to do the show, though, right? I think I speak at, like, 9 a.m. on, on Thursday, uh, April 20th. So, at 5 a.m., I'll be in my hotel room. <laughs> I'll be in my hotel room reporting live from San Diego. Good tacos in San Diego, too, I might add. Jerry, can I use my Ubuntu server to learn Docker for cloud or not? Yeah, you can You can definitely deploy a Docker... Um, like the Docker infrastructure on Ubuntu for sure. Absolutely. I don't know about for cloud. Like to me, I wouldn't say Docker for cloud because just Docker basically allows you to containerize a system like a web app or a server or whatever. You see it with web apps a lot of times. So it's not really cloud carry as much as it 
you're going to be able to quickly spin up and spin down specific instances of systems using Docker containers, right? Am I taking the studio with me? Emmanuel wants to know. So interestingly, Emmanuel, I actually have a mobile studio go bag. Um, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I've got a whole mobile, mobile studio. Get, one second. So check this out. I have my entire studio, an entire mobile studio right here, like this. This has camera, audio, microphone, Simply Cyber, huge Simply Cyber flag. Um, tripods. Mounts, the works, cabling. I got the whole thing in there. It's a mobile studio. Yeah, and some crank. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Sean Washington. Happy birthday again. I'll tell you what. If I can't find coffee at 4.30 a.m. in San Diego, <laughs> it's not going to be good for anybody. It's not gonna be good for anybody. I might have to pack my uh, French press kit again. Just thinking about that. I'm gonna have to Google. I'm gonna have to find, I'm gonna have to call the ho hotel. I'm gonna have to call the hotel and find out what the coffee situation is. Let me take that for action. Oof. Good thing we had this conversation, guys. Could have gotten, could have got ugly. Nothing beats an espresso. Yeah. Cash rules everything around me. That's right, Aaron KG. Red balls? I don't know what that means. Credit lasts two months, or if you can spend that much. Trust me, it's hard to do when you're first starting out. What are you talking about? Um, haircut fish. Yeah, Vegas doesn't have it in the room. It was ridiculous. Uh, they want any and every reason. No, Carrot. I will not stop drinking coffee. Absolutely not. I love coffee. I love things that can be brewed. I like craft beer too. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Linode. Oh, okay. Coffee at hotels are horrible. It's so true, Steve Mooney. But you know what? Hotel coffee versus no coffee is. Uh, oh, okay, Dave Chappelle. So we'll we'll see, guys. The thing is, the show will go on. I see what you're saying, Carrie. The show will go on. Will you know if you've been a longtime friend of the Simply Cyber show? If you if you've been a community member for a long time, you know I, I've done the show from my garage. I've done it from Vegas. Um, you know the show will go on. It will happen. It just may not be as you know whatever. Eighty percent of the show is better than no percent of the show, right? Michael Huskins got an interview? Yes, Michael Huskins. Crush it, buddy. T-Girl, myself. Pursuit of Bliss. Yeah, I do know people who like who do like some tea. I mean, and tea is cool because there is like morning tea. There's like chill afternoon tea. Like with coffee, it's just like, go. So, ah, oh, Starbucks via pouches. That's true, Toasty Pops. Those are good. The trick is getting the hot water. I do like those um, Starbucks ones. They're good. Dave Lehman wants to know, do we access rainbow tables like we do text files using Hydra? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a rainbow table is just a file full of, um, you know, basically like not cracked passwords, but like hashed, you know, original password and then hash of that. You got to remember with rainbow tables, um, you know, make sure that whatever the hash is that the rainbow table is looking up is the same as the hash that whatever the tool you're using is doing. Guanar pow powder? I don't know that one, Jose. Matcha is very high in caffeine. Huh, it's interesting. Uh, Kimberly. See, Kimberly's on the mobile, but it's because she's on her back deck. Like, just loving, loving Miami. 
No one, no one would blame you, Kimberly. Yeah, exactly. B-Sex got it. Yorkshire ran tea. All right. What's up, Terrence Banks? Got a couple more minutes here, jawjacking. 9 a.m. Cone Restaurant Group when you're down in San Diego? Okay, thank you. I, yeah, so just so you guys, since we're jawjacking, um, I fly out on Wednesday. I think I get there early enough to be able to have dinner in San Diego. Uh, I, I know Base Case had mentioned maybe syncing up. I'm not sure. Um, if you're in San Diego, let me know. I think um, I can't. There's an individual. I can't think of his name right now, and I apologize. Who's from Boston, and I think he lives in San Diego now. Um, but what's a great laptop for cybersecurity? Nothing too pricey. Uh, William Welch. I mean, any machine's going to work. You know what I mean? Like, there's not like a cyber build uh, machine. You know what I mean? So it depends what you're going to use it for. <laughs> um, you know, a, a Dell laptop can run Excel pretty well. So it depends on, you know, if you're doing GRC work or SOC work. There's a lot of tools that are uh, cloud-based now. So all you really need is a browser. You don't need something super powerful. I personally am partial to Dell's. I, I think HP is trash. What's the secret service... Where's the Secret Service earpiece? I may have missed you speaking about it. Oh, Pursuit of Bliss. Yeah, it's right here. It's right here. So I have a... Um, this is like a more of a pro professional news anchor type earpiece. The thing is, I, I came in pretty hot this morning. And I had showered. And my ear was um, still kind of wet, I guess. And um, I just... I didn't want to stick this in my ear and possibly damage it. So I just threw the cans on. I'm still getting adjusted. Plus, I could take the cans on and off wicked easy. This thing you have to like clip onto your shirt. And I mean, it's cool, but um, I just, I, I haven't, I'm still adjusting to it, I guess. Ear monitor. Thank you. Raspberry Pi 400 last week. Yeah, Raspberry Pis are cool. I will tell you that um, I tried to run, I tried to like run my job day to day on a Raspberry Pi. And I found it, it very um, insufficient. So Raspberry Pis are fun for like labs and demos and like little Cali things and stuff like that. But trying to run it as a business, uh, like for your work computer, um, did not work for me. It was too slow, chunky. In fact, what I ended up doing was, um, the reason I did it is because we had family staying for two weeks in the guest bedroom is the studio. Um, so I, what I basically did was leave my computer on and I used the Raspberry Pi to SSH into my work computer and then run <laughs> run on my work computer so I could get the power of my work computer. Um, so the Raspberry Pi just basically became a, a thing client for me. So, but the shed, the shed's almost up. Hey guys, um, as far as naming the shed goes, what do you guys think of, uh, I, I'm, I've been, I've been kind of flirting with calling it like mainframe or the mainframe. Like, oh, I'm going to the mainframe. Like daily cyber threat briefing live from the mainframe presented by Red Bull. <laughs> I don't know. Let me know. Ugh, coffee's not good anymore. Landlords increase rent on us again. Ugh. Oh, well, K. Scott Powell, hopefully that raise came in. I hope so, man. I hope so. All right. Jessica Propes is out. Carl! We didn't have a Carl today, did we? Carl! <laughs> The one Dell that I had wasn't tough at all, and I swore I'd never get another one, but then again, I bought it cheap, so yeah. I don't know, I've had good experiences. Jonathan Nock likes mainframe. Yeah, HP's junk. Ooh, the Gibson, that's kind of fun. All right, guys, let me boogie out of here. You guys have been absolutely wonderful. I hope all of you have a spectacular day and a great week. Cheyenne Mountain Complex, that's great. Guys, be good to each other. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I hope some of you can make it for 4 p.m. later today where I'll be demoing um, unreleased content from World of Haiku. It's been fun. I really, really enjoy uh, starting my mornings with you. I hope you enjoy it yourself. Be good. I'll go, I'll go Google Cardboard Drones, see if we can get some information on that. <laughs> be good, everybody. We'll see you later today or tomorrow.
Be good. Thanks so much. Bye. Stay secure. <laughs>